Amen. We're looking at Colossians beginning in 124, and it's, it's about suffering. And it's an interesting phenomenon, um, a, a woman and what she goes through to have a baby. Uh, the pain and the screaming and the everything to have a baby. Um, but after all that pain and she has the baby, um, she, I've never heard of a woman saying, I'm never doing that again. Uh, because of the joy of the baby, regardless of the pain. Paul's talking to that today. And he's talking about, you know, outcomes and when you suffer. And, and grasping that. Just grasping. If you suffer, there must be a purpose for it. And so find the purpose and if, on your outline. When you find God's purpose in a season of suffering, the pain becomes more than bearable. It becomes worth it. Wow. It's no longer something you have to do. It's something you get to do. It's something you get to do. I was on the, on the wrestling team in, in high school and college. Uh, and let me just say I was on the wrestling team in college. I never actually got to wrestle during a match, but I was on the wrestling team in college. And I, I was in the uh, 140s weight class, 144 to 148 by the end of wrestling season. And out of wrestling season, I'd always be 180. And what I had to do to drop 40 pounds, uh, but it was worth it. And what I couldn't eat and eat for months was worth it. And going through the whatever and going through the line in the, in the uh, college uh, dining room and saying, oh, the great food there that I couldn't eat for this season to get back into the 140s, but it was worth it. And would I call that suffering? For me at that point, it was a little bit of suffering, but it was all worth it. Paul's gonna say that. This is, Paul's not doing his dream right now. Paul was the preeminent speaker throughout Asia and Europe for Christ. Uh, and he was a highly educated uh, and a great debater, and the Greeks loved debate. They debated for the sake of debating. Uh, they weren't outcome-oriented. They, they were academics, and they loved debating. And he was the man. To, and to no longer be the man and be in prison right now, and not only be in prison in Rome, but they don't feed you in prison. Uh, and if somebody doesn't come and bring you food, uh, you're, you're done. Uh, they don't bring water, they don't feed you, you're, you're totally on your own. And so that's why it was so key that people came from all over the world to bring Paul money or whatever or food. Um, the, 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 the picture here is he's gonna make an interesting statement that we need to look at. <clears throat> I am glad when I suffer for you in my body for I am participating in the suffering of Christ that, can, uh, that continue for his body, sufferings that continue for his body, and not his physical body, his body, the church, the church. And it's, it's an interesting season here in South Florida of analyzing what, what is a church, uh, because it's not a building. The, the, the church is, is a gathering of believers. In a manner of speaking, this is a church, a gathering of believers. Uh, not gathering at a specific building, a gathering of believers, and really analyzing that. And Paul is saying, I'm glad when I suffer for you. And it's hard to grasp that. Really? Really? Yeah, I'm glad when I suffer for you in my body while I'm here in prison. For I am participating in the sufferings. I'm participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. So the, the real deal here, he's saying, are you suffering for church? Are you willing to suffer for church? Are you willing to do whatever, because we're called to do whatever it takes for the church? We're gonna look at that a little more in a minute. But it's, it's, it's interesting, I can't, and I couldn't figure it out looking it up early, early this morning. But it's either David Livingston or Albert Schweitzer, who was a major concert pianist all over the world, all over Europe during that time, and then all of a sudden he got a burden uh, for Africa. 
and he got a burden for Jesus for Africa, knowing that they didn't need a concert pianist. So he went to medical school and gave it all up and went down into, into Africa as a missionary because he got a burden. He was willing to suffer as a Christian. As a Christian, I am called to be willing to suffer for Christ and for his church. There's a why behind the suffering. If I'm suffering for my church, it has to be for Christ. I'm glad when I suffer for you. The NIV says, now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. Yeah, the ESV is interesting, and, and I'd, I'd love to hear thoughts on this. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh, listen to this, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. What is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. What does that mean? Anybody have a thought on what is lacking in Christ? In, 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 what is lacking in Christ's afflictions? There's nothing that, what does that mean? And the ESV is probably the most accurate translation. There's nothing lacking for you in Christ's afflictions. It, his afflictions on the, on the cross, and, and it's total, it's everything. We get everything. Wow. It's just an interesting way to phrase it. Interesting. Thank you for that. I'm still struggling, but yes, thank you for that. Wow. The picture here, is as followers of Christ, as followers of Christ. So an interesting thing happened two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, a lady walked out of the morning, woman's, Wednesday morning woman's Bible study, and when she walked out of the Wednesday morning woman's Bible study, uh, her daughter was waiting for her in the parking lot, and some of you know this story. And as her daughter was waiting for her in the parking lot, uh, she went to start the car and the battery was dead. And I think Rick and Robert arrive, uh, get the car, doing great and um, get a new battery and tell the 50-something uh, daughter of Jan who sits here, Jan's the mom, uh, no charge, we got this. And she had a hard time with that and she even came in and it got funny actually. She said, you, the men here are princes. And I looked at her and I, no, no, the, the other two that helped me. And I thought this is it. She has never come into the Bible study, ever come into the Bible study. And I thought this is the opportunity. And so I've been waiting with a book to give her that you gave to her. I've been waiting with a book to give her a free book to the Bible study so she does, this pagan doesn't sit in the parking lot. She'll come in and sit with her mom for the Bible study. And um, she came in, got her book, uh, needed to see Rick, handed Rick an envelope. Uh, and she was overcome two weeks ago that we would not only take care of it, but pay for it. And um, I, she says, she turns to me. I thought she was going to sit here with her mom. She turns to me and she says, is Benetta here? And I said, yeah, how, yeah, how do you know Benetta? Um, you two in jail together, or how did you know Benetta? And, and she says, Benetta and I are in BSF together. And I thought, you're kidding me, this lady's a Christian already. And I, 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 thought, you, I thought you wanted me to, and I think the, my walk away from that is, Bob, you don't have to have a reason. Just do the right thing, because your soul OCD calculated, oh, this is going to finally get, she's already in a Bible study. And it turns out she was in Rosemary's Bible study 25 years ago also, before she went to BSF. So the, the bottom line is, you do the right thing just to do the right thing. Just to do the right thing. There's a lady uh, named Faye. I've told this story before. A lady named Faye, when I was at First Baptist Fort Lauderdale, Faye's in her 90s, 
and she would pull into the parking lot and she would get out and slide down the side of her car and then open the back up. It would break my heart and get her walker out. And so we were across the street uh, at, out on the sidewalk at First Baptist greeting people and two of us see her and go over to her and start. The minute she pulls into the handicap, we would go over. And it's really cute because she didn't want me to be by her when she opened her door because it smelled like cigarettes and she didn't want me to smell the cigarettes. It was absolutely hilarious. She's a widow. And so I'm starting to make fun of her and I, can I share my cigars with you? And she's starting to laugh. But we get the walker out. And one day we got the walker out and I'm looking at her tires and they're horrible. I mean, I can't even believe she drove there with these tires. And so I said, Faye, I need your keys. Why don't I need to put it someplace else? I said, no, I just need your keys. And she's strong. And I, I said, don't make me take you down and take the keys away. And she's laughing. She says, what are you going to do? I said, we're going to get new tires. Look over there. And from the church parking lot uh, to the circle right here is Tire Kingdom. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's across the street. And she tears up. And I, I, uh, Blake comes up to me. And uh, he said, uh, what's, what's happening? And I said, we're going to get her tires. I want you to go through the parking lot and start collecting money from all the guys who are parking cars. And he collected so much money, I had to say to him, okay, when we're done, if you'll go pay with this cash, put her car back there, give me the keys, I'll give them to her. And uh, then he said, uh, you know, we collected like $900 from these guys. I mean, everybody's popping hundred. We're, we're collecting. Uh, and, and I said, keep the money. We need to keep looking at cars. Keep the money. It's too complicated if we turn it into the church. Way too complicated. Keep the money. And watching all of a sudden this thing take off and get to help other people was astounding. As followers, as followers of Christ, we're called to reveal our gratitude to Christ and our commitment to Christ by our ministry of suffering for the body of Christ to the point of whatever it takes. Yeah, when you look at the disciples, they're the most interesting people. The disciples... Uh, were in it for themselves. I mean, they were following Jesus for themselves. And, and all of a sudden on the road to somewhere, uh, Jesus hears them arguing over who's going to be the, the number, his number two when he takes over. And then they're, they're of all places, they're at the Last Supper, and two of them are arguing over who's going to be greatest in the kingdom of God. And so what does Jesus do? That's when they get up and wash their feet. You guys are missing it. You're here to serve. You're not here to get. You already get it all. You're absolutely here to serve. And so then, when it doesn't go the way they decided it was supposed to go, I mean, they hide out in the upper room, they don't know what to do, and finally when they realize, wait a minute, this guy we trust is almighty God in skin. Jesus is almighty God in skin. And what happens to each of the disciples um, in, the, in the back of the Thompson Chain Reference Bible, they have how each disciple died. It's, it's amazing. Uh, James, the son of Zebedee, um, he is uh, executed, giving the gospel uh, by the sword. They come up and, and kill him with a sword. Peter, martyred in Rome, crucified upside down, legend says. Uh, legend says, we don't know this for sure, we know he was crucified upside down, we don't know. They say Peter being Peter in uh, 66 AD said, I'm not worthy to die like my Lord. And so they crucify him upside down. Paul beheaded in Rome. Andrew traveled, traveled sharing the gospel to Turkey where he was crucified. Thomas traveled all the way to India. We call him Doubting Thomas. I mean, walking all the way to India where he uh, shares the gospel and he's pierced uh, by four soldiers with spears while he's sharing the gospel. Philip uh, to, uh, made it to Asia Minor sharing the gospel um, and he was, he was cruelly put to death. Um, Matthew traveled to Ethiopia where he was stabbed to death sharing the gospel. Bartholomew 
uh, made it down to South Arabia where he died a martyr. James, the, the other James, shared the gospel in Syria where he was stoned to death. Simon the Zealot killed after refusing to sacrifice to the sun god. And then Matthias uh, made it to Syria where he was burned to death. It's astounding. Once these guys are realizing, wait a minute. What I'm doing, I'm doing for Christ. The outcome is up to him. The outcome is up to him. I gotta say post-election, whatever that means, we gotta grasp that. The outcome is up to him. And it got to me. And I was, I was up this morning at four and over here a, a little after five, all bummed out, walking around, setting things up. And, and then I'm, I'm preparing to teach this. I realized this lesson's for me. The outcome's up to him. The outcome's When they realized, when they realized what they got from Jesus, a life of meaning on earth and a life of immense overwhelming plenty in heaven, they could do nothing less than give it all in order to shine his light. Give it all in order to shine his light. Yeah, it, the picture here, and, and Timothy was an example in Philippians 2.29. So then, welcome him, meaning Timothy, in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Yeah, I mean, to walk from where he came from to Rome and you risk your life going into Rome as a Christian. And by the way, by this time, there were many other churches in Rome ridiculing Paul. If he was really who everybody thinks he is, would he still be in prison? And Paul got past the questioning. I was speaking, and then all of a sudden you put me in prison, and I'm writing, and then all of a sudden you make me blind. And we believe the thorn in his flesh that he refers to blind, and he has to dictate all these, quote, letters that end up being half the Bible. He has to dictate them because he can't even write them because he's blind. And there's no indication. I'm, whatever it takes, Lord. Whatever it takes. Wow. You know, it's interesting. Rosemary's... Um, grandfather was, uh, her great-grandfather was Ari Torrey, her grandfather was Ari Torrey Jr., and they went to China. Ari Torrey Jr. went to China, and all, Rosemary's mom and all the other three kids were all born in China as missionaries. And they were missionaries um, when the communists started taking over. And as the communists started taking over, they realized, and Chiang Kai-shek was the, was the prime minister, but the communists were running him out. And they realized they needed to get out, and they needed to get out with an escort, and they didn't know how to know how to get out. And then it occurred to Rosemary's grandma that she went to um, uh, Georgia Wesleyan College at a time when no women went to college with Madame Chiang Kai-shek before she was Chiang Kai-shek. And Chiang Kai-shek, as he was being escorted out to Taiwan, went and got the tours, and brought them with. And 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 you just got wow, you had this, you had this all planned travesty or not, you had this absolutely all planned. So here's a question for us. Why is this biblical challenge to be glad to suffer for the body of Christ, his church, so foreign to most American Christians? Any thoughts? To be glad to suffer? Now it doesn't say ask to suffer. Could you make me suffer, Lord? It doesn't. But I'm, I'm out there, I'm willing. God says, okay, you're getting ready to be conceived, would you like to be conceived in what country? In fact, let's narrow it down, Bob. I'll, what country that has to start with an A? Albania, Australia, America? No, Bamo. Wow. Honestly, 
there have been times where it creeps into my mind when I'm dealing with difficult things. What did I do to deserve? I mean, maybe I, is this a, um, and I hate to say this, but I sure grow better during difficult times. I mean, the, the life change, and this is sort of embarrassing, but the life change in my marriage was when Rosemary almost died. And the doctor came out and said, your wife's not going to make it. Yeah. And I'm walking around the Memorial Hospital parking lot screaming at God. You took my mom. Now you can take Rosemary. Can you be trusted? And when they, I must have been loud because they found me in the parking lot at Memorial and brought me back in. The doctor wants to talk to you after a couple hours. And he's Dr. Nolan, who was a friend. Dr. Nolan came and said, she's going to be fine and the baby's fine. And, but you can't see her for a few hours, either one. And I went back into the parking lot just weeping and apologizing to God. And I didn't hear an audible voice, but why is your marriage second place, Bob? I don't need you at Sheridan House. You need to be married. And it was a, it was a major change for me. So I'm, unfortunately, sometimes I learn better suffering. When things are going great, uh, can I help you out, Lord? I mean, I'm making it happen. So yeah, it's unfortunate, but I, I agree with you. I, I think it's not in our Christian, American Christian DNA to see suffering as an opportunity. We, we picked up Johnny Erickson Todd at the airport, and she made a statement. I said, how was your flight? And she said, "My whatever that bag is that the urine goes into, I don't know what you call it. Anyway, it fell out in the airplane. I said, really? I'm so sorry. And she said, you know what? It gave me so many opportunities. Everybody was so sorry and trying to figure out how to help me. And I didn't have any, any wheelchair there. And they're trying to get me into the bathroom. And, and somebody recognized me. And so it gave opportunities. And I thought, wow, rather than I'm never flying again. <laughs> yeah, done. No, I mean, that's why she's her. It, it was amazing. I think what happens is we misunderstand church. I think we have become consumer church attenders. I think we think our needs are supposed to be met at church. And you know, a church just isn't meeting my needs anymore. And I remember saying to somebody concerning Billingsley, pastor's just not, I, I'm not, he, he's not feeding me anymore. And this friend said, then get out of the high chair and start feeding yourself. And I thought, whoa. It's not our job to go to church to get. It's our job to go to church to serve to the point of feeling it. To the point of feeling it. When I was at Christ the Rock as their interim, and I'm, I'm walking out to mess with the parking lot guys because they're hilarious, and I realized two of the Miami Dolphins are out in the parking lot guiding people with their orange things on and helping people find, and I thought, that can't be who I think it is. And I went over to Stu Weinstein, who used to be the... Uh, head of security for the Dolphins, and I said, is that so-and-so? He said, yeah, and so-and-so is over there. I said, they're, he said, they love it. They love it because nobody kind of knows who they are until they're past them, and they love it. They're serving in the heat, in the heat. We, we have started to come to church to get, kind of like we go to a restaurant, to get. And if we don't get, then maybe we need a new church rather than, how can I serve here? How can I feel it when I give to the point of feeling it to the point? And, and Chuck Swindoll, it was, it was so interesting. Back in the 70s when Bill Kelly gave me a car, 
um, and he, he plugged in all the Christian radio stations on this car, and I hit the first one, it was Moody, Moody Founders Week. And of all things, this guy I'd never heard of named Chuck Swindoll was at Moody Founders Week, and I thought, oh my goodness, he's the first one I ever heard use self-deprecating humor uh, in the pulpit. It, it was just amazing. But he made a statement that tithing was for third world Christians, certainly not Americans. We need to be starting at tithing. And I thought, oh my goodness. I mean, I'm feeling at tithing now and risking, just risking a little more and then a little more the next year and a little, I'm watching God. Yeah, we can't be consumer Christians, but I think also letter B, suffering for anything has lost its purpose. We, we think we can make this heaven and, and, and live this life that there's no problems. And there's a letter C there for you, and that's for you to fill in at some point your thoughts on suffering, why it's difficult for you to imagine receiving a season of suffering. And it's, I mean, it's, it's pretty blunt in one of my favorite verses. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, and in view of God's mercy, when you, when you view God's mercy to you and when you view what God's done for you and when you view where you could have gone off, but look what he's done, look what you get to do in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. It doesn't mean, it just means I'm here, use me, spend me, exhaust me, to offer. It doesn't mean beg God for, can I suffer? Would you make me suffer? That's morbid. I mean, that's warped. But to offer, I'm here. I'm absolutely available. To offer your bodies as living sacrifices, but living sacrifices with the right motive, holy and pleasing to God. And holy and pleasing to God means to God be the glory, not, not to me. To God be all the glory in this. And then it says, this is your true and proper worship. We've talked about this before, but I think worship is not what you do in church. Worship is what you do here, what you guys do here. Worship is what you do out there. It's worship. And, and what we do in church is we praise and we study and learn and we serve, find our, our particular area of service. But then we go out into the mission field. Some of you remember five or six years ago, Rosemary was down at, at the public shopping center and got in a car and backed out. And this is classic intellectual, backed into somebody driving by because the, the little normal things that us average people know to do to look around uh, she just backed right into a car, and the guy got out. And she's calling me. I just, I just caused an accident, and I said, I'll be right there. And I hear this guy screaming at her, this man, just screaming at her. And um, I'm terrified, so I'm getting there. And it turns out this is his second rental this week. Uh, the, the other rental somebody did something to also, so he's not in a good place, yeah. And by the time I get there, and the police, police are done, uh, already, it turns out they were right there. The police are done, and he is walking her to her car and holding the door and stopping her so she can get out. And I said, is that the same guy that was screaming? And she said, yeah. I said, um, what happened? And she said, I don't know. And the police officer said she was kind. She was kind. Sacrifice, whatever it takes. This is your true pro and proper worship. 
to offer. I'm available, Lord. Help me be an observer, Lord. Help me look around and see what's going on. It goes on in the next verse, verse 25. God has given me, Paul is saying, the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. Serving rather than be served. That means there are some difficult passages in the scriptures. There, there are some difficult... Um, it's, it's been very, very interesting because this is the season where I have my devotions uh, for next year's Bible study. And I started uh, a month ago in Romans and I was, because Benetta convinced me to do Romans. And it was too hard. That's for her to do. Uh, and there were so many things in Romans. And then there were several not opposed to this, it's mandatory, but there were several passages um, dealing with homosexuality and I just didn't want to have to park there for a month uh, as we do one after another. And then there's some more stuff. I realized this is for a, a Bible scholar to do Romans. I'm not sure I can do it. So I switched over to Joshua and Joshua has three chapters in a row where um, Joshua and the armies wipe out entire cities, killing every man, every woman, every child. And I'm just not sure how to do that uh, and walk through it, even though Rosemary explained to me uh, Saturday, here's how you do that, um, which I may still do, Joshua, I don't know, but, it, and he's saying, you know, the entire message to you, the entire message, and, and to the Jew that he was speaking to, also in, in, in this, in Colossae, the entire message, do you realize it started with the blood sacrifice? To show you and point to you, blood sacrifice, blood sacrifice, blood sacrifice, the, and then the Passover lamb, and do you realize, do you not, guys, and then the Passover lamb came on Passover and died on the cross, the lamb of God. It's, it's the entire message. It's not a disconnected message. It's all, both books. Yeah, this message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it's been revealed to God's people because they felt they could be religious enough they felt, they've, hey, I've done the religious thing. Hey, you know, I've been at this church for 25 years. I've taught Sunday school. I'm a tither. I'm an usher. Um, I'm there, right? No, it has nothing to do with what you do. It's all been done for you. It's an issue of the heart that slowly changes and changes and changes. It's funny. I'm working on my heart in the area of my grandchildren uh, because they're exhausting. Absolutely, and I know grandmas, I know grandmas can't get enough of them. Uh, I, I love when I see the headlights, and I love when I see the taillights. Um, it's like I'm absolutely, completely exhausted by the little ones. Now, Tori's old enough uh, for me to do stuff with. The little ones um, and Nehemiah, wow. Um, and, and yet, watching Rosemary, she can't get enough of them. She's got the 14-month-old the right now as we speak after teaching twice in 24 hours. And the, the, the picture here is I need to just catch the privilege before they move. Now, nobody's moving, but the privilege I have and the privilege I have of sharing, sharing with them over and over and over and over. Yeah, they thought they could be religious enough, give enough, good enough, be enough, uh, do the rules enough, and I've met those people uh, when, when I've been interims, uh, and I, I'm sorry, I've met a lot of them in Southern Baptist churches uh, where I've been an interim more than any other place, probably, and they just, in First Baptist Fort Lauderdale, 117-year-old church, yeah, they've done it, and done it, and done it, and, 
and referring to it as their church. This is our church. He just got here. Oh, it's not your church. It's his church, his bride. And it's not, it's not a building. Yeah. What I have to grasp is I'm a despicable sinner. Paul got that chiefest of all sinners because Paul's basically saying, I know me. I know what I'm capable of thinking about. Wow, I know me. So giving it up for Christ after what he's done, oh my goodness, yes. You don't live giving it up for Christ to earn anything. Christ already purchased it all for you. You live giving it up for Christ out of gratitude to Christ. This is your worship. This is your worship. This is, this is my why. Why am I doing that? Why would I give that? Why would I speak up? It's, it's been very interesting, and you played a part in this. A good part, finally. You played a good part in this. It was, uh, yes, it was uh, my next door neighbor, uh, just moved up from Hialeah. She's in her 80s, she's a widow, and got this funny little dog. And, so, and somebody had, had told her that I was a pastor, and I, I would watch her the first week come out of her door and walk past my house and over the little bridge uh, with her dog. And then all of a sudden I noticed she's not going anywhere near our house, and I realized, okay, uh, what's her name across the street said uh, he's a pastor. And so she's a little scared of us. And then watching Rosemary break it down, uh, and the first Christmas taking her a plate of cookies with uh, Tori's little boys, and watching her just and invite them in, and then when the, when the, whatever that hurricane was that took the fence down, and um, built the fence back up, and you cleaned up the stuff out of her yard, and you, she tried to pay you, and you wouldn't take any money, um, and she then she didn't know what to do, and she here's the interesting thing. Then she obviously knew you were a churchgoer and a Christian. When, didn't she scan you money? Put this in your offering plate. Yeah. And, it, it was, and, and now we're right at the point where we believe she's going to come to church with us. They've got to see us rather than hear us. They've heard it and seen the hypocrisy, hypocrisies of it. They've got to see us serving. Yeah. And part of this, well, in John 8, 32, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And while I'm pacing around here, early, early this morning, just discouraged over the election, and I realized you had, and I came in to study this little, you had me do this whole Bible study for me, to free me from fear, to free me from discouragement, to free me to realize you're still on the throne, regardless. You're still on the throne, regardless. Free to pursue my purpose. My purpose is today. Who can I be a blessing to today? Who can I sacrifice for today? Who can I give it up for today? And one of my other favorite verses, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we would ask or imagine. And can I say I can imagine some pretty big things? Um, 30 years ago, I never would have imagined those, though. And then watching God do it and watching a 10-year thing where there were people and supporters that believed this is a huge mistake, it's not cost-effective, and then having a single mom give her testimony at a banquet, and the, the, one of the biggest objectors saying, I'm in. I'm in, mistake, I'm in. And watching that, and, and wow, I never would have... Immeasurably, it can't be measured. Immeasurably more than all you would ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us, yeah, he could do it all without us, but he wants to use us. He wants to use us so that as he uses us to give it up for other people, 
to be ridiculously generous to other people, to serve other people as he uses us so they can come and ask, can I talk to you? Can I talk to you? They don't care what we say. They want to see how we do it, how we live, what we do. But here's the most important part, I think, the second half of that verse, of, of the, the next verse, verse 21, Ephesians 3:21. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. It is our job to point to him. We didn't do this, he did this. We didn't do this, he did this. We didn't do this, he did this. And I got a call earlier this morning. Um, I was driving around. I, have, I, I know you wonder why I drive around, 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 around. It's because I'm deaf and I, I hear better through my speakers in the car. That's uh, why I drive around the property. And I got a call from a pastor up in Fort Lauderdale. And he said, I heard about the turkeys. Uh, who, who'd, you, who'd you call to get the turkeys? I said, we didn't call anybody. You didn't call anybody? No, we didn't call anybody. The turkeys arrived. Somebody went and bought them and sent this massive amount of turkeys. Wow. And I know I, we don't do it, but we have the responsibility to give him all the glory constantly because it hasn't even started what he can do. He can do it. So the assignment before we pray today is to look for ways to present yourself as a living sacrifice. Yeah, for the right reason, for his glory. How can we sacrifice for each other? How can we sacrifice for the people we minister to? How can we sacrifice for the people who come in the door? How can we sacrifice when we leave here? And give him the glory. And give him the glory.